Simmons, fly ball, shallow left. Back is Cosma. He'll take it. Oh, that's going to drop. It falls. Miscommunication. And the bases are loaded, and Box can't believe it. This crowd's been crazy all night. I wonder if it affected their communication. They're calling it an infield fly rule. Wow. One umpire did. That's why Freddie Gonzalez is out. Well, this is a huge call here. You cannot call that an infield no. fly. Welcome into Infield Fly. I'm your host, Ben Harvey, joined by my buddy Blake Rochelle. It is November 1st. We're finally through Halloween, thankfully. Not uh, not a big Halloween guy on to November and the excellent holiday of Thanksgiving coming up. Do not forget Thanksgiving, people. <clears throat> what have you been up to today, Blake? Uh, just getting in the Christmas spirit, Ben. It's officially Christmas time. I know you don't like to hear it's that. I'm against exactly what I just said, and you're already saying Yeah, well, you know what? You know what? Thanksgiving... It's just the little brother, if that, to Christmas. It doesn't even compare. It's you just, tried to say earlier off the air that Thanksgiving was a better holiday than Christmas. People need to rip him for that. Um, oh, okay, I won't say better, but it's just it's right underneath it. It's like a Sunday in the middle of the week. You just get to stuff your face with food and watch football and hang out with your family. Okay, it's not as good as Christmas, obviously. Uh, unless you work right in bat, like bad okay. hours yeah. or a tough job yeah so i will be working on thanksgiving so it carries that no value to me this year like a personal and problem i can't remember the last time that well i can remember but it's been a few years since we actually celebrated thanksgiving on thanksgiving day so we usually do it the saturday after hopefully you will get to be down here for that this year uh, this year yeah, I plan on coming. I plan on coming to play the Turkey Bowl. Show you, show you, uh, show you what's up. Maybe score yeah, a couple. Of Anybody listening and wants to come play some flag football on Black Friday? Maybe your girlfriend or wife or whoever is going shopping. You know, come hang out with the boys. Just send me a message, and uh, you can come play some football with us. So, absolutely. Right, we're gonna dive in today. <laughs> uh, the World Series ended Sunday. We've been busy, so we had not had a chance to record, but we're going to recap that. Then we're going to talk a little NFL, uh, some Titans, and then just take a look at the rest of the league. We're going to talk a little Vols, a little Vols football, and a little Vols basketball finally starting up. So I'm pretty excited for that segment. Um, but first, we're going to dive in and recap the World Series. But before that, this is a podcast that focuses a lot on baseball, so we would be remiss if we didn't mention the passing of Willie McCovey, Hall of Famer. Before anybody thought about Barry Bonds with the Giants, it was always Willie McCovey. So just want to throw that out there, prayers to his family. Um, but the World Series, Boston dominated, took the series 4-1. to one. Uh, Steve Pierce won MVP, going 4-for-12 with three home runs and eight RBIs. Easily could have been co-MVP with David Price. Should have been. Should have been. Probably so. David Price absolutely vanquished his demons. Um, and in my opinion, this is probably the best Red Sox team ever. They had 108 wins in the regular season, went 11-3 and in the postseason, and just blew through everybody on their way to a World Series championship. 
What'd you think about the series? Uh, I felt like the Red Sox dominated the whole series. Um, I know there was the 18 inning game. Uh, I believe it was it game three. Yeah, it was the first yeah. home game uh, for the for LA, um, and that was that was the only game they won. It kind of, I mean, when you go 18 innings, let's just be honest here. It's kind of just a coin flip of who's going to win that game at that point. Because um, your teams are so spent, you're so far into your bullpen and your and your bench. Um, like two full so, games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So I mean, the you know the only game that the Dodgers win, you know, I don't want to call it a fluke because it's not a fluke when you win. I don't believe, but you know that's you know they had to take them to 18 innings to win one game in the World Series. So dominant performance. I thought for me, getting a phone call here. Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, tell your mom you'll call her back later, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, I thought David Price w- was my MVP of this series. I mean, he won. He started games two and five, won those games, uh, and then he came in in that 18-inning game and pitched some relief. I believe that he pitched 13 and a two-thirds innings is the number that I saw um, for the World Series. So, uh, I mean, I mean, Steve Pierce kind of stole the show late on into the into the ride. Um, so, I mean, he, he deserved it too, but I feel like that would have been a perfect co-MVP situation um, for sure. So what, what are your kind of yeah. your thoughts on some guys who maybe stood out for you or yeah. maybe guys who didn't stand out maybe for the Dodgers? I don't know. Well, for the Red Sox, you know, they won the series, <laughs> yeah, but they didn't win it. You know, we talked about how stacked the lineups were and stuff. The Red Sox did not win this series because of their stars, like, Mookie didn't do very much. Uh, Chris mm-hmm. Sale didn't do – he only ended up pitching one game. He didn't do a lot. He closed it out, of course. Uh, Kimbrell didn't do that much. You know, nope. a lot of their stars didn't do stuff, and they they won because of – I mean, David Price is a star, but Nathan Eovaldi coming in and in the whole postseason for Eovaldi, 22 and a third innings pitched and a 1-6 ERA. That's outstanding through, I think, six innings in that 18-inning game. Uh, just, yep. you know, he was a stud. Uh, Joe, Joe Kelly had a nice postseason. We talked a lot about the Red Sox bullpen, and uh, just we were concerned about that bridge getting to Kimbrell, but Kelly had a nice postseason. And then, of course, we, we talked about Steve Pierce. So it wasn't the big-name guys that came through uh for Boston it was it was the role players you know Jackie Bradley had a nice postseason Eduardo Nunez hit a big home run in game one so they had to be happy and, with uh, the guys stepped up Ben Attendee I believe it was game two he had a he had a uh maybe it was game one or two when he went four for five it, it was game one he and he had a okay. big catch in the outfield too that's right yeah one I mean that was a spectacular catch diving back and then you know, he plays game two and then sits out game three. So, yeah, uh, J.D. could get in the lineup. An interesting decision there. I mean, but it paid out. It was, it was. I mean, we talk about Alex Cora and how, I mean, he could easily – I mean, not easily, but he could win manager of the year just because he just rolled, you know, rolled the dice and that's his team that he got. So, uh, yeah. but, I mean, he, he managed uh, this World Series to perfection. Oh, I mean – Every button he pushed, it, it panned out. You know, he was aggressive – he, he saw blood in the water, and he went for it. He played every game. I tweeted about this from our account, but he played every game like it was a must win, and, and he went for the throat, and it paid off beautifully. You know, Yeah, he inherited a great roster, 
but so did Aaron Boone and so did Dave Martinez and the Nationals didn't even make the playoffs. So it's not as easy as it's not as easy as it seems, but they really all seem to like Cora and like playing for him. And I mean, he was he he outmanaged Dave Roberts in the World Series. Right. So one thing I didn't like the Dodgers. I know we talked about how platoon heavy they were. Their top four home run hitters, Muncie, Bellinger, Jock, and Yasmani Grandal for the year, did not start game one or game two. I, di- I didn't really get that. I mean, I, I know they're facing Price and Sale, tough lefties, and all those guys hit left. But Muncie hit lefties okay this year. I know Bellinger had his struggles, but I feel like to me, you gotta have you got to have those guys in the lineup. Just, just one at bat. I don't know. Just the way the game is now, and everything's so hit or miss. Uh, I don't know. I feel like those guys needed to be out there. You're right. Now, and then we saw. This is just kind of who the Dodgers were. Um, they were going to platoon guys whenever they thought that the matchups were right. That's kind of how they're managed from top to bottom, um, from Friedman down. Um, I mean, so, I mean, it panned out for them earlier in the postseason whenever they were, you know, swapping guys around and moving guys all over the field, and they were winning games and having uh, pretty good production offensively. Um, but it kind of, kind of came back to uh, bite them here in the World Series, and I think that might kind of influence what they do in the off season. If you want to go ahead and kind of, you know, it get into well. that, what's really next for the Dodgers? I mean, they've got probably. Other than the Nationals, and I don't even know if the Nationals have a decision to make. Um, it's kind of up in Harper's hands. But, I mean, I feel like the Dodgers have the toughest decision of all to make this offseason, and that's, you know, are they going to try to bring back Machado and move Seager to second to kind of help him along with that elbow injury? Yeah. Or are they going to, you know, let, uh, let Machado walk and try to go after another big name? I would probably uh, lean that they're going to let Machado go and try to get in the Harper sweepstakes. Now, when I say let Machado go, I mean let Machado test the waters. You know, they're not going to be out of the running early, I don't think. Um, just because their infield is, you know, you got Kiki at second, who's a solid player, and then you're going to have Seager back at short, and you've got Turner at third, and Muncie or Bellinger at first. You know, you you know, you know, really could have, I won't say you could afford to lose Machado, but. You know, if you go get Harper and stick him in that outfield, maybe trade one of those pieces away and get another pitcher of some sort. Um, I kind of think that's what the the route I would take. Um, what do you? What are your? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I one hundred percent think Machado's gone from LA. I don't think he's coming back. And honestly, I think they're not going to miss him. Uh, I think they'll probably listen. This guy. There is a lot of mustard on that hot dog. His antics, I mean, people are fed up with him, man. I'm fed up with him. I think a lot of people are. He showed zero hustle in the world. And he, I mean, he came out and said, like, I'm never going to be the guy that runs out a ground ball. Like, okay, okay, man. Like, he, he showed no effort in the World Series. He hit 182 with no extra base hits. I, I think that they move on from him and I, 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 he's not cost himself money probably just because of the talent he is, but I just can see some teams being turned off by him, man. Just, just his attitude and just overall demeanor while he's playing. So what playing. do you kind of, 
What do you not to interrupt? But like, what do you think that does for him in the post or in the off season? Because I mean, you've heard Yankees, obviously the Dodgers that he's with, um, you know, maybe one of those big market teams comes and gets him. What do you think that his kind of effort that he's shown in the postseason as antics does that make like a like a I don't know Diamondbacks look more realistic now? Kind of a team that would you know still have to pay that same amount of money, but maybe a market that he necessarily wasn't. Gonna yeah, be in love with does that kind of make like maybe like I mean maybe the Mariners or somebody like that. Yeah, I think maybe somebody could slide in there and get him. And let's be honest, he what he was still good with the Dodgers, but he wasn't as good as he was when he was in the first half of the year with Baltimore. But yeah, I could see somebody sliding in there and maybe getting him a little cheaper than we expected. I still think the Yankees are going to make a push, especially with Didi being out. And yeah, that that would be fitting for a. I think that's to ultimately where he ends up, in my yeah. opinion. I think that would be fitting for a villain to go play shortstop in New York again. <laughs> uh, oh, you calling Jeter a villain, man? Come on, Jeter's one of the classiest guys. No, 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 no. I like Jeter, but uh, I think he's gone from LA. Um, they got to work on restructuring Kershaw's deal. Or they extended the deadline for his opt out. Friday, Friday, yeah, yeah which. Uh, I mean, Kershaw is – he's still Clayton Kershaw. He's not the same. He's had so many injuries, and uh, he's not a – probably not going to be a top-level ace anymore, which sounds really weird to say, like extremely yeah. hard for me to say because I love Clayton Kershaw, and he just has to figure out how to pitch at 93, 94 instead of pumping everything up there again. Um which th- they'll they'll get that done. He's not he's not going no, anywhere. No, I don't expect him to go anywhere. Um, he's probably going to be a Dodger for life. I think they need to bring Hugh Jin Ryu back. I know he's his six year contracts up, and then maybe they should yep. look at upgrading catcher. I mean, Grandal's a free agent. He's <clears throat> I mean he's pretty good offensively and grades out decent defensively, but he was bad enough in the postseason that he got benched. So. Hey, I, I, thought, I thought – go ahead. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. You go ahead. I thought they were on catcher while we are there. Real Muto. Maybe. Did they try to make the push for him? Because he's already said he's not re-signing long-term with the Marlins. So, that's going to bring down the price, you would think, a little bit. They have the farm to get it done. So Right. I think I think ultimately when it comes to Real Muto, it's going to be the Braves and the Dodgers in a bidding war for him. Yeah. So We'll see what happens. I don't think really it's – which Friedman has proved me wrong. It's it's never been his mo to pay big for a trade guy, but he, I mean he went from Machado, so I don't think it's really his mo to make a huge signing like Bryce Harper. I honestly have no idea where Harper's going, but uh, whatever the Dodgers end up doing, I fully expect them to be uh, back in the postseason next year. But <clears throat> they got to get some bullpen help and. Dave Roberts is gonna be—I don't want to say hot seat, but he's gonna be—he's gonna be firmly under uh, Andrew Friedman's microscope next year. No, I mean they only won 90 games. Now, with the talent that they have, they should have been a hundred-win team. Yeah. Um, but they got off to such a slow start to the year. I mean, at, they were something like 10 games back, nearly halfway through the year. Oh, they were um, 10 they games under 500 on. at one point. Yeah. Um, and they were one of the the best teams in the NF in the NF in the NL in the second half. I believe they had the best record in the National League in the second half of the season. 
Um, but I mean, they got to the World Series and lost again. But this was more embarrassing than last year in the World Series. Um, oh, so yeah. if they kind of take a step back again next year, I don't think Roberts is going to, you know, unless they just miss the playoffs completely and have a rough year, I don't think he's probably canned after next year. No. Um, but I know he does have, I believe, an option year for next year coming up. So, I mean, we'll see what how that kind of plays out. Um, as far as the other side, though, I mean, the Red Sox are basically bringing everyone back. They've already picked up the option on on Chris Sale. David Price picked up his $33 million option. And Eduardo um, Nunez picked his up today. He did? Okay. And But – I mean, Kimbrell obviously is going to have the chance to be a free agent. I don't think he gets that far. I think the Red no. Sox are probably going to pay market value for him, um, which is sad because I would love to see Kimbrell return to Atlanta. Um, but, I mean, what do you think about the Red Sox going forward? I mean, they were the best team in baseball um, in the regular season and the postseason. Um, they're not really losing anybody. They're just getting a year older. So Yeah, so I have down for them who's set to be free agents uh, – like you said, Kimbrell, Joe Kelly, Eovaldi, and then uh, Ian Kinsler and Steve Pierce, which uh, uh, Kinsler's not going to be back. But I think Kimbrell for sure, and most likely Joe Kelly, and I think they will pay up for Eovaldi as well, especially after the postseason he had. Um, and then Steve Pierce, is, there's going to be a lot of Boston fans wanting him back, but, I mean, he's not likely to repeat his heroics. They had the biggest payroll in baseball this past year. Uh, I don't think they're going to make any drastic changes to the roster that, like you said, mainly returns everybody uh, besides just filling out the bullpen and bringing back those three arms I talked about. Uh, they're not going to do anything crazy. Um, I, I don't think they want their payroll to get any bigger. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, they're, st- they're still paying Pablo Sandoval money. So, and <laughs> – but uh, I expect them to be back in the postseason too, even with the roster. There, there might be some regression, um, but yeah, I, I, they return most everyone, and I fully expect them to be right back in it next year. So yeah, I agree. I wouldn't be surprised if they won it again next year, just because I mean, you know, the heart of a champion. You know, winning it this year with the same team they're going to pretty much have next year, they're going to have that. That experience and that calmness that comes with uh, with winning the World Series. Um, you know, a little stat here. The last time there was a rematch um, in the World Series in back-to-back years was 77 and 78. Um, I think that is very unlikely uh, to happen again. Um, but clearly, I think the Red Sox are the favorites in the American League going forward next year. And, you know, the Dodgers are probably going to be right there at the top of the National League also. So... Absolutely. Absolutely. A rematch is probably unlikely just because that's the way baseball is. But, yeah, I expect them both to be right there. I had a few little fun end-of-the-year stats that I found, too. Um, a couple on Kershaw. So, he gave up <clears throat> three home runs in game five, which brought his total to 22 home runs he's given up in the postseason in his career, which is the second most in – the MLB history behind Andy Pettit that Andy Pettit has also pitched 124 more innings in the postseason <laughs> than Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. And yeah. another one on Kershaw. I hate to bash the guy, but he's given he gave up five runs in the in I think game one 
that gave him eight postseason starts, allowing five or more runs, which is the most in MLB history. I don't know why. I, do, I really did not have – when Kershaw's career is over, he's going to be one of the greatest pitchers of all time, no doubt. I have no idea why he has such struggles in the postseason. It, it, I, it's really – I don't know. Oh, man. It, That's it, what it, I was thinking. Like, why? Why is it like that? I don't know. Uh, it's, it's it doesn't impossible. make any sense. I mean, because it's, it's not like the game changes. I mean, the pressure heats up, obviously, but when you're – you're one of the best in the game at doing what you do. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know why it changes in October, man. And then uh, I had a couple more here. So the the Indians now have lost nine straight elimination games, which is the longest streak in the history of the MLB. That's brutal for Cleveland fans. Mm. Uh, the, the A's have lost eight straight winner-take-all games, which is the longest streak in MLB history. Brutal for Oakland fans. The Braves. Here we go. Haven't won a series since 2005. Nine straight rounds the Braves have been eliminated in, which dates back to 2001. Okay. Second second longest streak in MLB history behind the Cubs. So, Thanks for that bomb. (laughs) I feel like that. I feel like we have a good chance of ending that streak hopefully soon. So I hope you do, buddy. I hope you do. All right, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Titans and the Cowboys and uh, just a little NFL talk. Fly episode four. It's Blake. It's Ben. Um, we talked a little bit about the World Series and our thoughts there. Well, sadly, baseball season is over now. We're gonna have it to wait about five more months until um, we get some more baseball action. But 
with that being said, we're going to go ahead and transition our show a little bit. And then going forward as well, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Tennessee Titans. Um, they were on a bye week this week. Some guys able to get a little bit healthier with Wesley Woodyard. Um, so, Ben, Titans coming off a bye, didn't make a move at the deadline. Got the Cowboys on Monday night. Cowboys also on a bye last week. Uh, what do you what do you feel like uh, going in this game Monday night? I feel like it's going to be a dreadful game to watch. Uh, both teams, three and four. Both teams' offenses pretty much sputtering around. Uh, the Cowboys right now are six and a half point favorites, which seems like a lot to me. That is really high. I know it's yeah. in Dallas too. That might have a couple points on it right there. Maybe but. that just that seems high to me. Uh, I mean, I haven't been impressed with Dallas. I know I put some like NFL predictions out on Twitter at the start of the year, and I said Jason Garrett was going to be the first head coach fired. He probably should have been. Uh, I don't know if you just got fired from. Well, Cleveland. let's be honest. If you would have guessed Hugh Jackson, you're not really going out on much of a limb there. No, not really. Not at all. But I just don't think the Cowboys are that good. I don't know how good the Titans really are right now either. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a very good game. Both defenses are pretty solid. Um, the thing that concerns me the – okay, I know that Dallas just – acquired Amari Cooper and they're going to want to get him involved but make no make no bones about it that offense runs through Ezekiel Elliott right it's it's all it's all about Zeke and it frightens me a little because the Titans uh the Titans run D has not been it's not been bad it's been pretty solid um but if the offense can't stay on the field and they keep going three and out all the time then the Titans are in big trouble because thankfully two weeks ago in London, Melvin Gordon was hurt and we didn't have to worry about him, but Ezekiel Elliott is healthy and he's had a week of rest a week and an extra day. Once Monday rolls around of rest and he's going to be ready to go. So it makes me a little bit nervous. uh, Just if the defense is out there on the field for a long, long time, uh, eventually they're going to wear down. You know, right now, the uh, Titans offense is kind of in a free fall. They've lost three straight after starting three and one, uh, and they're 30th in yards per play in the league and 30th in points per game. They've only scored seven touchdowns in seven games so far, which is just less than ideal. That makes my head hurt even thinking about it. So we'll we'll see. It's going to be tough going to Dallas and winning down there. We'll just have to see how Vrabel and Matt LaFleur adjust during the bye week. Did they make any adjustments? Are we still going to see Derrick Henry run out there, or are we going to see Deion Lewis getting more touches? Are they going to incorporate Mariota's legs a little bit more into the game? Are we going to see more consistent play from the wideouts? Those are all questions that I have that will need to be answered. You know, we've never seen these coaches coming off a bye before, so we'll see what happens. How are you feeling about this game? Um, I actually feel – I don't know why I feel this way. Maybe it's my fanhood coming out, but I feel pretty good about it. Um, like you said, we don't really know what to expect from Vrabel off a of bye. I mean, the closest thing that we can kind of look at is 
you know, he's trying to do the New England way, the Patriot way. Yeah. And granted, no one does it better than the Patriots. Um, but if he can, you know, get any type of or any piece of that success off a of bye, we know how good Belichick is off the bye week. Um, but I mean, the biggest story of this game is going to be Amari Cooper's first game for the boys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought they paid a pretty steep price for him. I didn't think he was worth a first round pick. Yeah. Um, but I mean, me and me and John Reed and I, we uh, had a little discussion on Twitter about it. Um, he thought it was a, a pricey, uh, a pricey cost for Cooper as well. But I mean, once you think about it, the Cowboys are probably going to look at getting a receiver early in the draft next year anyway, just because, I mean, they, that's kind of a big position of need for them. Are you going to get a guy of Amari Cooper's talent middle of the first round next year? No, you're not. You're just not. Yeah, we, um, we so talk- when you think of it that way, it's probably not as pricey as you would think. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, we talked I mean, about that some just with uh, when Slade asked us about draft capital and stuff. Like drafting yeah. skill position, it takes time for them to develop. So. If you can, I guess, why not go ahead and get a guy that's already somewhat established in the league? No, you're right. Um, And then for the Titans, man, we've got to get more production out of Corey Davis. Yeah. Um, Or maybe not more – well, definitely more production, but more consistency. I mean, obviously with the Philly game, you saw, like, that's probably peak Corey Davis right there. Like, you're probably not going to get more than that. Um, But, I mean, you want to get – close to that level you want to get him eight catches you know 80 yards a game yeah um just because like he's not a deep threat like he doesn't take the top off the defense but he is good in the intermediate routes right um, and can he's pretty deadly after he gets the ball in his hands oh yeah um, he is good and he's he, good in the open field right and he can he can take that pressure off of taewon taylor uh, who's going to be in the slot and kind of maybe get him a, a little more open um but I think the X factor for this game for me is Deion Lewis. He yeah. needs to have 70% of the snaps at running back. Um, we've seen what he can do, obviously, in the passing game. Um, but, I mean, it just feels like even when he runs the ball, he gets at least three yards, and you're not even getting that with Henry right now. Derrick Henry, um, I'm, I'm about done with him. I'm about ready to write him off. Yeah. So I'd like to see more Lewis in this game. I had uh, something going back to your Corey Davis uh, talk, talking about his consistency. So in that Philadelphia game, of course, the game of his best game of his career so far, he had nine catches for 161 yards and a touchdown. And then his in the last three games, which the offense as a whole has been sputtering, but in the last three games, Corey Davis eight catches for 83 yards and no touchdowns in three combined. So. Definitely needs some more consistency, more production there out of him. Um, and then on just on Henry, yeah, he's – I'm ready to write him off too. I saw a quote today, uh, I think, I guess it was after practice interview, that he said something about um, they're going to get rid of you if you don't produce. And I've heard him say stuff after games more times than – more than one time about how he's mad at himself for not running – hard and just at his production and everything but nothing has changed yet so one thing that needs to change is he needs to sit on the bench for a while um well the titans think that they may have solved the problem they brought back jostin fowler i don't think that is going to solve anything what does jostin fowler bring you that luke stocker cannot do 
Uh, I mean, is his run blocking that essential to this offense? We're not a smash-mouth team anymore. He brings some pretty amazing two-point conversion runs. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I had forgotten about that until I saw it on – I saw it on Twitter a couple days ago. Man alive. Have you ever seen a running back look so – pitiful and you're yeah. like like you felt bad for the guy because he had nowhere to go <laughs> he's just running so if you don't know what we're talking about like i guess it was a couple years ago the titans tried to run a two-point play and jolson fowler ended up with the ball and he was like run run about 10 yards backwards and then turned around and run for another 10 yards backwards it is it is pathetic it's easy to find on twitter and, and you'll it'll make your day but yeah he's i, I don't i guess they're gonna get rid of uh one of the tight ends because now we have four tight ends and a fullback. Yeah, I mean, like, one of them will be on the inactive list. They did guess, cut Fellaini, the linebacker. Okay, um, so that's how they made that move. Uh, I uh, so I'm not super confident in the Titans turning things around just yet. Maybe I feel like we might see a little improvement from the offense, but the Cowboys' defense is pretty good. Demarcus Lawrence has five and a half sacks. Uh, they're they're tough on D. Um, I think, like I said, maybe the offense looks a little better. I think Mariota might have a nice game. He usually tends to show up pretty good when the lights are bright. So uh, I think it's going to be close. But I've got the Cowboys taking this one 2017. All the Titans games have been really close this year for the most part. Um, I mean, they could easily be uh, 0-7 right now. Yeah. But yeah, they could also cool. easily be six and one. Um, this right. is kind of how the cards have fallen. They're three and four now. Quick few stats on the Cowboys defense. I didn't realize how good they've been playing this year. They They're are fourth. Good. They are fourth in fewest yards allowed per play. So they don't give up a lot of big plays. Yeah. Um, they're second in rushing yards per attempt. So their run defense has been pretty solid. And the reason I'm going by by play and by attempt is because I mean obviously they've been on a buy. So if you just go by total numbers, they're going to be skewed a little bit. Right. <clears throat> for the better. Um, but they have the second best red zone defense in the NFL as far yeah. as allowing uh, touchdowns. They're pretty uh, good, which does not bode well for us because our offense has been so pathetic. Exactly. Um, I mean, so they're really going to re- probably lean on this defense and Zeke to win this game, I would think. Um, yep. You kind of hope that maybe with Amari Cooper coming in, they try to force the issue a little bit. Maybe you get a couple turnovers. Um, yeah, that nice. Dak a few times. That would be perfect. Um, it kind of feels like that's probably what they're going to do. I would be okay with that. Um, but I think the Titans need to need to let Mariota run a little bit more. I mean, we saw it with Dobbs. I know it's a completely different level, but, I mean, when Dobbs stepped in for the Vols a couple years ago, it kind of really opened that run game up. It just adds a whole new dynamic to the offense. Right. And, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be runs. It can be some read option type deals yep. where he can pull it out of the running back's gut and keep that, you know, that – weak side defender more honest, you know, yeah. um, instead of him committing on the run. Um, but, I mean, like you said, coming off a of bye week, Wesley Woodyard's going to play. Um, the Titans are going to – Mike Variable said the Titans are going to be as healthy as they've been all year. Obviously, they don't have Walker here. Um, yeah. But I think – I like the Titans, man. Um, I think I'm probably playing Homer a little bit, but and maybe it's because I haven't watched the game in two weeks. Uh, but I like the Titans, man. I think Deion Lewis is going to have a nice game. Um, I think he's really going to bust onto the scene on on a national stage, an isolated national stage. You know, it's all eyes are going to be on the Titans and boys. Yeah. All the Titans twenty four twenty in this one. I think 
I think uh, Marcus leads a drive near the end of the game. It puts them up, um, and the defense steps up big um, when the Cowboys have to throw the ball late in the game uh, when they're down. So I hope so. So you got Titans 24-20. I got Cowboys 2017. I think no matter the outcome, it's probably going to be just an ugly defensive game most likely. Uh, but I hope I hope that I'm wrong. I hope you're right. I hope they get a W. Um, so, anyways, moving on in the NFL, the trade deadline just passed. We talked about the Titans didn't make a move, but other teams did. Demarius <clears throat> Thomas went to Houston for basically a fourth round. They swapped sevenths, but pretty much Demarius Thomas for a fourth round pick. Uh, Golden Tate to Philly for a third. Dante Fowler to the Rams for a third and a fifth. And HaHa Clinton Dix to the Redskins for a fourth. Uh, those were just the moves made at the deadline. Of course, there were some other moves. Carlos Hyde uh, moving on. Eli Apple going to the Saints. But uh, those were the four big ones. There was a lot of trades made in the NFL, a lot more than usual. Right. I don't I don't really know why, but uh, usually there's not that many moves made. But there were some big trades and some big names that got traded. Um, what do you think about these moves? Uh, I mean, I thought a couple of them were okay. Um, the one that really stands out to me, not necessarily because of good or bad move for either team, but just kind of the shock factor was Dante Fowler going to the Rams. Uh, yeah. I didn't really know he was available. Um, I didn't either. You know, I think he's, he's only 20, 23, I believe. He's 23 or 24. He's only been in the league for a few years. Um, he sat out one year with an ACL injury. But, I mean, yeah. last year he had eight sacks. You know, I mean, it felt like his production was kind of stepping up a little bit. Um, I know he got suspended for the first game of this year. He had some off the – he's had a, a few off-the-field issues since he's been in the league. Yeah, that's um, what I was saying. I think he's kind of been in the doghouse a little bit with Jacksonville. Um, but I think, like, going to the Rams, if anybody's going to – if anybody's going to get production out of him, it's going to be Wade Phillips. So, uh, that's right. probably – And it. think of the one-on-one matchups he's going to get with Indominus oh, and Aaron Donald there. It's yeah, – I mean – line's ridiculous. And I'll say this about Dante Fowler Jr. I mean, he went to high school in Florida. He went to college at Florida. He played for the Jaguars, obviously. So this is really his first time leaving uh, the state of Florida um, as an adult. So maybe this is good for him. Maybe it can kind of open his eyes a little bit. I hope so. I I want the guy to be successful. Um, And I thought, you know, for the Rams, you know, a third and a fifth, bottom of the round is probably where you're going to be. Yeah. I thought it was an okay price to pay for a guy who, you know, frankly, if you get one-on-ones with Dante Fowler, you know, former number three overall pick, I, I like I like how that looks. Right, so. especially for a team that is obviously going for it. Like, they're they're all in. So, yeah, yeah I, and, I don't – it was a good move on both sides, I think. No, it was. And that's, and that's, you know, the best move I feel like for a team that acquired a player, though, um, and I'll kind of get your thoughts on this, too, is like – Demarius Thomas, man. Oh, 100%. Uh, a fourth round – I mean, you're basically sending a fourth round pick, which is what the Titans paid for DeMarco Murray. I would have done that trade a million times. Um, 100%. Because, I mean, you look at what DT has done. Last year he had 83 catches and almost 1,000 yards. The year before that, 90 catches for nearly 1,100 yards. Guess who his quarterback was? Yeah, Trevor was a, Simeon. Yeah. He was a pro bowler two years ago with Trevor Simeon as his quarterback. Um, yeah. And we're talking about man, a true number one receiver for those years. No, he is. 
he he would have had the potential to take a lot of pressure off of the receivers that we had here. Um, but the Texans, you know, they're in first place in the division right now, and they got better. Um, so we didn't. I read I read today. Um, I guess when Houston ended up making that deal, da- uh, Dallas, Denver had talked to uh, I think Philly, New England, and the Titans had checked in. But until Houston offered a fourth, nobody had offered higher than a sixth. So I don't know if the Titans offered a sixth. I don't know what they offered, but nobody had given anything higher than a sixth until Houston came in. So, and the uh, thing with DT, man, like you throw a fifth at him or throw a fifth rounder at him, maybe you get him, maybe even pay the price that the Texans paid. He's due fourteen million next year, but you have an out on that deal. You can cut him and not. You know, you still have to pay him the money, but you don't take the cap hit for it if you cut him before June. Um, so, I mean, and that's what you do. I mean, like, you that's what the Texans are going to do. They're going to grab him, and they're going to – if he produces, they're going to pick it up next year and take him, you know, and have three of the best receivers in the NFL on one offense next year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's going to step right in and fill in Will Fuller's spot, man. So, good move for the Texans. Definitely a good move for them, especially with Fuller going down. Uh, Demarius, Deshaun, and DeAndre are the scary for me. <laughs> That's uh, uh, the other move wide receivers that went is uh, Golden Tate to Philly, which I they gave up a third, maybe a little steep, but I like the move for Philadelphia. You know, they're trying to repeat. Um, and Golden Tate just seems like a good fit in Philly for some reason. Like I don't know, he just seems like he's going to fit in well there take a little pressure off of Jeffrey and Zach Ertz, who, by the way, Zach Ertz, best tight end in football right now. Uh, so that's going to help Carson Wentz a lot. You know, their run game is kind of non-existent, really. Jay Ajayi towards ACL. Uh, maybe, I don't know that I would have liked to give up a third-round pick for Golden Tate, but uh, the Eagles felt like that they needed him, and they went and got him. So – what do you think about the Golden Tate trade? I mean, for the Eagles, it's a good deal. I think if I mean, if you're asking the Titans for a third for Golden Tate, I'm not taking that deal because yeah. um, I mean, right now that the third round pick for the Titans could be middle or higher round of that or middle or higher of that round. The way the Titans are playing right now, um, but I mean, for the Eagles, they're going to be there in the end. They sure up their wide receiver position. You know, Nelson Aguilar has probably been one of the worst receivers in the NFL as far as production goes. Um, this season, I know I had him on my fantasy team for a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's, I think it's a good fit. You know, he's a veteran. Um, he's going to get open. He's going to make plays. Um, he's going to an offense that already had a couple of good receivers and earth and, uh, and Jeffrey, like you said, you know, it's going to take a little pressure off of them and give Carson Wentz another, uh, weapon to play with, man, um, so, I mean, as far as the Eagles go, I think it's a good trade for them, but not a trade that I would have liked to see the Titans make um, at that price. I mean, I know he's from Pope John Paul, which is, you know, just down or just up the road from uh, from Nashville. So yeah. it would have been cool to see him come home. Um, but, oh, well. Uh, one more thing I will say about the Jaguars trade that they made. They pick up that third and the fifth. What are the chances they use uh, that third to kind of move up in the draft next year, maybe get a QB? I know oh. Bortles has been abysmal this year. I think that's probably what they're thinking there. 
they're definitely going for a quarterback. There's no doubt yeah. about that in my mind. Yeah. So. Yeah. So they may piece a couple ones and a couple threes, maybe get in the top five of that draft next year. I don't know who they would go after. Yeah. So I don't really know any great names off the top of my head that are quarterbacks that are worth that right now. Um, but no, they're definitely going for one. Uh, the Titans did not make a move. Um, that was I expected. I didn't expect them to do anything really. I expected them to talk like they did about Demarius Thomas, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't really expect anything to happen. And the reason why is they only had four picks in this past. I've talked about draft capital, and I'm not a huge believer in it, but. They only had four picks in 2018, and I think they maximized the value of those. Well, it's really only three now because Luke Falk's gone. But yeah. if you end up trading a couple picks in this next draft, then you're down to only having like nine picks and two drafts, which is not not really ideal on a team that we see now has quite a few holes. Right. Um, so – that's what I expected them not to make a trade. And I'm, I'm not going to say that John Robinson failed at the NFL trade deadline. Uh, if I want to say he failed somewhere, then he failed back in the spring by not addressing the deficiencies then. So I'm not, I'm not going to put a bunch of blame on him at the, at the deadline. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of in-season NFL trades just because you never really know how a guy's going to come in and perform. But, uh, I mean, I guess I was okay with them just just not – It's it sounds weird to say I'm okay with them not doing anything because of how much they're struggling, but I guess I was okay with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I was – to see the prices that it costs, other than Demarius Thomas, you know, I'm fine with them staying, uh, staying pat. You know, like you said, we, we you build through the draft, um, and if you have seven picks in two years, that's not gonna bode well yeah. um, for you going forward. So, I mean, I was okay with where they what they did or lack thereof. I know I tweeted out that it might be one of his worst moves by not doing anything. Um, yeah, I, st- I still think, man, I just I was all over that Demarius Thomas. I I'd mentioned it in the previous podcast that we had. I thought that maybe yeah. he was going to be available at a good price. Um, I thought he would have been a good fit here, obviously, in the way the contract worked out. Um, but, you know, it, he didn't make a move. We'll see how it pans out. Um, you know, trading those picks, right now you're kind of in the middle. Um, you don't really know what your season's going to be right now. Yeah. Those other teams, they kind of have a feeling of how their season's going to end up, um, except for maybe maybe uh, Houston. Which they're leading the division um, right now, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, the Titans are kind of, you know, you definitely feel like you should be contending, but you don't want to sell the draft capital and then you go five and eleven or six and ten, and you know you're getting thirteenth, you know the thirteenth pick in each round. You've traded those away. Yeah, you know, when you can get some it's, high quality guys, he's definitely in a tough spot. I do want to say one thing about Robinson. I know everybody's really was really on board with him, and just I feel like maybe we hyped him up a little bit. Just because yeah, of how honeymoon ter- phase, how terrible Rustin Webster was, and if you go back and really look at Robinson's moves, I think he's been average to maybe a, a little above average GM so far. You know, a lot of yeah. stuff hasn't Kevin Dodd. 
that that second round where they had like three second round picks and they none of them panned out. Dodd, Henry, and who was the other one? Austin Johnson, defensive yeah. tackle from Penn that, that State. Was bust in the whole round and we took three players so it, just some of the stuff it, it's not we're in year three now i think and uh, it's looking a lot more average than than above average currently and i think part of that has to do with he's a tennessee guy you know robinson born and raised here in tennessee um and then you know is credited somewhat of being a new england guy yeah. Um, and we thought maybe we were going to be the Patriots of the South. Um, but yeah, man, we're, I feel like we've given him too much credit. I think so too. Um, or not, maybe not credit, but too much leeway, I guess. Um, but I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's still got half Jerry's the season left, out. obviously. Jerry's yeah, you yeah, know, for sure. And he's made some good moves too. Oh, I mean, yeah. DeMarco Murray to me was a great move. He, he, that one sticks out in my mind. And then obviously trading, uh, I think getting Dennis Kelly for um, that was a good one. That was a solid trade. I can't remember the guys and name the receiver for whatever reason. Uh, Dorio Greenback. Dorio Greenback. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I will say this too, though. Kevin Byard in the third round, excellent pick one. there. Um, Pro Bowl player. Tajay Sharp. Tajay Sharp, who. You know, coming off injury last year, I, I still believe in the guy. I think he's a good receiver. Um, maybe not a number one or a number two, but, you know, we'll see we'll going see. forward. But uh, moving on to some other NFL talk, we got a few questions from our buddy Justin uh, who wants us to discuss a little bit more in the NFL. Uh, he wants to know who our top three wide receivers in the league are right now. He wants to know – our Super Bowl picks at the midway point, and he wants to know if anybody can beat the Rams right now. So I asked him to tell us his top three wideouts so we could compare. Yeah. And his three were number three, he had DeAndre Hopkins, two, Adam Thielen, and number one, he has Antonio Brown. Which he is a big Steelers fan, but <laughs> I don't think anybody can argue with Antonio Brown being at the top. So, no, it's hard to argue with any of those guys right now. Um, they're I'll all go playing ahead. exceptional. Absolutely, it's it's tough to rank. There's so many good wideouts in this league, and it's and there's so many factors that go into being right. a good wideout. I mean, receiving yards. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you talk. You got to think about who's throwing you the ball. Yeah, um, but then you got. You got to factor in receiving yards and receptions, and I tend to put a little less weight on touchdowns because uh, in the red zone anything can happen. And you know, like mm-hmm. I would, I don't think anyone's going to argue against Julio Jones being one of the best receivers in the game, I and mean, he has zero touchdowns right now. I think the thought process with that is, you know, if a guy has a lot of touchdowns, it's certainly noteworthy. But if right. a guy has zero touchdowns, as you said, like with Julio. It's not that, not as noteworthy. Right. Um, I mean, Julio's zero touchdowns is absolutely murdering me in fantasy right now. <laughs> but uh, I'll get it. You want to, how do you want to do this? You want to say our number threes and then two? Yeah, we'll just, I guess we can just kind of both go at the same time, three okay. to one. Uh, so I'll let you go ahead and lead it off. All right. So my number three is Justin might be a little mad at me, but I have Antonio Brown at number three. 
<clears throat> reasoning we're talking about right now, like two exactly. days. No, we need to get that out there. We are talking about production this, this season at four right now in the game. Eight games in, who are the best? Eight games in, four fifty five on November first. I have Antonio Brown at number three. His yards are down a little right now. I don't expect that to remain. It's just a matter of time until they spike up again. He's leading the league in touchdowns with eight. He's got 46 catches for 552 yards, eight touchdowns. The man is so dangerous with the ball in his hand. I, he, Him and Tyree Kill are the two most most deadly with the ball in their hands. And uh, it's just he gets double teamed. He gets triple teamed. You know Ben's throat, forcing the ball into him all the time. Um, so I have him at number three right now. I'll say this about Antonio. Um, he's just so electric is the word that I would use. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, he's flashy with his touchdown dances and everything, but he's flashy like how he plays. Like, he can cut in and out of routes like I've never seen before. Oh, he's um, a so great So as far runner. as, like, pure stuff, he's one of the best as far as running the route and getting open. Yeah. Um, but. But for number three, I kind of think he's a poor man's Antonio Brown. I got OBJ, man, Odell Beckham. I know a lot of people don't like him because of his antics, um, because he's kind of a diva, and he is. But, I mean, we're talking about skill, and he is one of the most skilled receivers in the NFL. You look at his quarterback situation, Eli Manning, two Super Bowl championships, not the Eli Manning of those, those two years, obviously. Um, you know, a lot of that may have to do with his protection up front. Um, but I, I mean, Odell Beckham, man, he is quietly having a good year. He's only got two touchdowns, but like we said, don't carry too much weight into too few touchdowns. Right. Um, but he's got, he's got 61 catches already this year and he's on pace to have over a hundred receptions and 1400 yards, which is a pro bowl type year. Um, and he, like I said, he is a poor man's AB man. He is so dangerous when he gets the ball in his hand. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like putting him in the slot and running that little crossing route, there is no one in the NFL that can defend him. Um, and I've seen it too many times where they line him up in the slot, he runs, runs a slant route, and he goes 40 yards to the house. I've seen it way too often. Um, so I got OBJ at number three for me. Um, I'll go ahead and do number two first, and then we'll uh, get your take on that because I think we're probably going the same route here. I think we are. Um, the hottest receiver in the NFL. Right now, well, Adam Thielen. And absolutely. More yeah, that's than that's my number two, too. But he is on pace for 140 catches and 1,800 yards. Um, and just to kind of give you an idea how close that is to the, the receiving yards, Calvin Johnson in 2012 had, uh, well, I've lost the number here. It was 1974 or 1964. Uh, so he had. 1900 yards receiving in 2012 um but at week eight which is where we are now he only had 750 yards um and right now you're looking at adam thielen and he's got 925 um and he's had eight straight games of 100 yards receiving um calvin johnson obviously finished that year in 2012 really strong he had eight straight games of 100 yards including a 200 yarder to top off the last game um and that streak but, man, Thielen is on fire, and this is kind of where we talk about what all plays into being a good receiver. Um, you know, obviously the skill set, but, like, who's throwing you the ball? Who do you have opposite of you to help take off that double coverage? 
Um, and I think Thielen is kind of set up perfectly. He's got one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Kirk Cousins as far as passing goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got Stephon Diggs and Kyle Rudolph to take that pressure off of him. And I think that's why he's flourishing. Um, but, I mean, the skill is obviously there. Um, what's kind of your take on Thielen as far as that goes? Yeah, he's my number two, too. It's eight straight games with 100 yards. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And then overall so far this year, 74 catches, 925 and six TDs. Uh, he's awesome, man. He's come out of nowhere, too. Like, I think he was – I know he was undrafted. I think he played, like, Division three or something. Yeah, Minnesota State's where he played. Yeah, Minnesota State. And he's just really – and we've kind of seen it building, like, I don't know that anyone thought he would take off like this this year, but like the past couple of years, he's been kind of, we've been kind of hearing about Adam Thielen and he's been having productive seasons and stuff. And then all of a sudden this year, it's just, just like the perfect storm. He gets cousins, Kirk in cousins. There. Yep. he gets cousins in there and it's just, he's absolutely taken off and you hit on a lot of the things I was going to say about him. And it's just, it's really awesome. He's doing it for all of us whiteies out here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, best he's wide kinda, receiver that I could think of in a long time, to be honest. Like, and you feel like he should be a patriot too. You know that little white guy <laughs> that just gets open. You know his yards. I don't believe his yards per catch are uh, very great. Obviously, he's got seventy-four catches, so that's, that's a lot. Yeah, um, I believe it's sitting somewhere around twelve, which is okay. Um, but that's 12 and a half exactly. But so I'm going to, my number one, and it's kind of funny because you mentioned it uh, before we got on that you didn't think this guy is a top receiver. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is who I'm going with for my, my number one right now in the league wide receiver. He has 53 catches so far this year for 789 and six cutties. He has the best hands in the NFL, the best hands. I know we see a lot of highlights from Odell, but DeAndre Hopkins, and I've watched him enough because he murders the Titans all the time. That catch he had the other night that didn't count, he like caught it between his legs. He's making highlight reel catches all the time. He gets great separation, which, okay, that's a little questionable. He does push off a lot, and I want that called a bunch whenever he's playing against Tennessee. But this guy, he's a physical receiver, and he's just a beast. And do you know who has been throwing him the football, and he consistently puts up numbers? Sure, Deshaun Watson's pretty decent. But before Deshaun Watson, Tom Savage, TJ Yates, Brock the Jock Osweiler, (laughs) come on. This guy is put. I could be Deshaun Watson or Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins quarterback, and the guy will put up numbers. He's incredible. He's my number one right now. Who do you got? Or what, what, do you think, what do you think about what do you think about DeAndre? Before you, before you tell me who your number one is. I mean, I think DeAndre is definitely a top ten guy. Maybe it's out of spite. Um, I don't like him at all. I actually hate the guy because uh, he's. <laughs> Just because, I mean, I can I can picture that film that in a, or that clip that NFL Films had, um, where he was talking trash to Lashawn Sims, and then Lashawn Sims picks off uh, the pass at the end of the game to beat the Texans a couple years ago. Yeah. I never liked the guy. I feel like he's always pushed off of uh, defenders and never really gotten called for it very often. 
Um, it's kind of that, that mantra of, you know, in basketball, you foul every play, so they can't really call everything. They have to let some of it go. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of – I mean, but he's got great hands. You're not wrong there. Um, but, you know, I don't want to sit here and just completely bash your point of being the number one. Um, but I don't, I don't – maybe and probably it's out of spite. Um, but, I mean, he's a top ten guy for sure. Um <laughs> But, I mean, for as far as the best receiver, it's Antonio for me. Um, maybe it's a little bit of respect for what he's done a couple the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he's like Odell. He's dangerous once he gets the ball. And you talked about it, man. He leads the league in touchdowns. Um, and it's like he's clutch. It's, I feel like we've he seen is, it a lot. He is where, so clutch. You know, the Steelers are having a rough go of things. Maybe they're down, you know, four or five points. Offense has been sputtering. We saw it against Cleveland last week, man. He just you just throw him the ball and he just makes a play. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I don't feel like I have to explain that too much. Yeah. Antonio for me is the number one guy. Can't argue um, with that. So I mean, we're we're pretty close there. I mean, I got yeah. Hopkins in the top ten for sure, and I'm sure you you think Odell's probably near the near the top. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. So. Yeah. So then, moving on, Justin's next. He wants to know our who our mid-year Super Bowl picks are. So I did a uh, we both did preseason, and I went Vikings Chargers. Um, I am changing my NFC to right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Rams look unstoppable. I know the Packers did have a beat. Well, they didn't have a beat, but they had them on the ropes. Aaron Rodgers was about to get the ball back down two with two minutes to go until Ty Montgomery pulled about the most boneheaded play I've seen in a long time. Got him traded, too. Probably why he got traded for a Taco Bell gift card. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got the Rams in the NFC, and so originally I picked the Chargers in the AFC, and I, I'm going to stick with that right Ooh, now. Okay. They're, I mean, they're I five, like that. five and two, five and two, uh, second in their division behind the Chiefs. The, the AFC just is so – it's to me, it's wide open. Like nobody really stands. I don't think the Patriots are all that. I mean, I know it's Brady, it's Belichick, but I, they're run, like Cordero Patterson carried the ball like twelve times Sunday. He's a wide receiver. If they don't have Sony Michelle, it hurts them. I don't know if James White is good at receiving out of the backfield, but like they don't really scare me like they used to. Steelers. Uh, <laughs> Steelers always have their issues. You know, they miss Shazier a lot. That defense is not what it used to be. You never know when Big Ben could go down. Like, Kansas City, yeah, their offense is amazing, but their defense has had a good couple weeks, but it's been pretty bad. Eric Berry has yet to play this year, I don't think. Um, so, like, in the AFC, it just seems kind of open. And the Chargers, to me, they have, they have a sound team, like, Melvin Gordon is a top running back. Uh, they got a good receiving core with Keenan Allen and the two Williams. And then the AFC, you know, I'm going to say it runs through New England because it has. There's not a lot of guys that can go into New England and beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. Roethlisberger can do it. I think Phillip Rivers can do it. He's uh, just a one of those old-school gutsy gunslingers. So – uh, I, that's my picks is Rams Chargers. I'm going to stick with the Chargers. Uh, their defense is solid, uh, and they've been doing it without Joey Bosa. So 
we'll see if they can maybe overtake the Chiefs in the coming weeks. But uh, that's who I've got right now. Who do you got? I, I like that. I like your uh, your gutsy call there. I'm probably going to stick a little more conservative here. I mean, I picked the Rams and the Steelers in the preseason when me and you, uh, we did our preseason picks. Yeah. You know, I won't say that that's not going to happen or that's impossible. Um, I liked, I still like the Rams. They're the most complete team in football. For They're sure. the best coached team in football right now, I think. Even better coached than the Patriots, I'll say that. Mm. Um, I do not like the Steelers to make it, though. Um, I, I just don't think they're, they're, the, they're the same as they used to be. Yeah. Um, Big Ben – for whatever reason, man, he's just not not playing uh, up to his level right now. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell not being there. You know, while James Conner has had it. moderate production, and he, you know, he did fantastic to start the year off, you know, yeah. better than anyone could ever expect. I think that ultimately is going to come back to haunt him a little bit. Which you know, he did. No, this... fault, no fault to their own, you know. Yeah. They had to do what they had to do as far as the team goes. Which Connor this past week had over 200 scrimmage yards. I think it was the best game of the year. So we'll oh, see if he can keep solid. it up. We'll see. If yeah, he's... and that's that's the thing with him is kind of it's an unknown. Like you don't really know consistency wise and pressure situations what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, I've, I'm probably going to go with the Patriots out of the AFC. Man, I just like you said, the AFC is so up in the air, and I think that any time that it's like that, which it has been for the last few years. Uh-huh. Um, I'm taking the Pats, man. I'm not going to bet against Belichick. I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady. Um, they're probably going to have, you know, the one or two seed coming out of the AFC. So you're going to have to go into Foxborough more than likely and beat them to yeah. get to the Super Bowl. Don't think that any team can do that, even the Chargers. Um, I do like well, a lot of things you said made a lot of sense. Um, I just don't know. It's, it's tough if it's they can out scheme them. It's tough to go up there and win. Yeah. If it comes down to Belichick, Belichick and Anthony Lynn, like that's advantage Belichick all the way. Right. So yeah, it's, it's tough to go up there and win, but I mean, a lot of people are going to, going to pick the chiefs. I get it. Their offense has been, you know, (laughs) Pat Mahomes has been the most electric, like there, I don't, can't remember the last time, there was a player that was so fun to watch that I would take time out of like whatever else I'm doing just to watch him play. Like yeah. I said, I never watched. I watched the Sunday night game a couple weeks ago when he played. I think it was the Bengals. Was um, the one against the Patriots that it was, it was just and, like a freaking shootout? Shootout, yeah. yeah. But he's just so fun to watch, man. Um, I I can't remember another player that's kind of caught my interest so much on a different team other than the Titans, obviously. Yeah. Um. But I don't think their defense is up to championship level. Um, I agree. Um, I still kind of just throwing this out there near the end. I still think the Titans are probably going to win the division. Um, I, so. I think we're probably going to get two teams out of the AFC South. Probably going to be Houston. I know I picked three in the preseason. I thought Jacksonville would be better, but Bortles has been awful, and they haven't had Fournette. Uh, I think they're going to fall off the side of the earth a little bit. I hope so. Um, but, yeah, I like Rams, Patriots, and I'm going to take the Rams to beat them. Um, yeah. I think they're just so good right now, and that's only right now. They're going to have to start paying some players. Um, yeah. and the cap's going to start hurting them a little bit, so I don't know how long this run will be sustained. But if they get one championship out of it, to me it's worth it. Yeah. So Justin's third question was going back to the Rams. Can anyone beat them? Uh, yeah, I think. 
definitely. I don't think anyone's going to go undefeated ever. If that Patriots team couldn't do it in, I think that was 08. Oh, 07. Uh, 07. I don't know that anyone will. And then just taking a peek at their schedule, I think they could get they could conceivably get beat this week. Uh, I think that's when it comes. In New Orleans. Um, I don't know that they will, but they could. I see the Saints could beat them. I think the Chiefs could beat them. I think Philadelphia could beat them. And I think the Bears could beat them in Chicago because that Bears defense, I don't know that their offense can keep pace, but the Bears defense mm-hmm. is freaking good, man. Yeah. Like, you don't hear Rattle much about Chicago, off a little bit. That def- and it's in Chicago and it's late in the year. It's going to be cold. They're going to not be in cushy LA. Like, I think Chicago yep. could beat them. So, yeah, I see a few games they could lose. Will they? I don't know. That remains to be seen, but definitely. Uh, definitely, and if they get in a shootout this weekend with the Saints, that's going to be a good game. That's going to be a really good game. So, I'm excited for that game on uh, against the Chiefs. I'm trying to see when that day is. I can't. Is that a Monday night game? I think it's, it's got, a Monday it's night. It's November nineteenth, so that's got to be. It's at eight fifteen or seven fifteen. Yeah, that's Monday night. That's going to be a fun game. Dude. That will be a Monday night game. I will actually watch. That's I may it. mute the TV, but I will watch the game. That's going to be a fun it's game. It's going to be way better than this Monday night game this week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For sure, the complete opposite um, of the Titans Cowboys game. I think the Rams probably lose this weekend. Um, I don't know. It's hard to beat the Saints at home. Drew Brees at home in the yeah. Superdome. Oh, yeah. Um, Ingram's back. So, so, to answer that, I think I think the Rams could conceivably lose two games yeah. the rest of the year. You know, maybe they they clinch the NFC first round or the first uh, overall seed and maybe sit some people out. Maybe they clinch it by the Eagles game. I don't think that's possible. But maybe they lose to the 49ers or the Cardinals with – the third and fourth stringers yeah, in. So. They suck. Both of those teams are awful too, they though. Suck. The Cardinals and the 49ers. Yeah, they're pretty so. All right. We uh so that's the NFL talk for this week. Uh we're gonna take a quick break, come back and talk some vols, a little bit of football, and a lot of basketball. We'll be right back. Fuck up front here. David, when the celebration was over <clears throat> coming off the field, you threw your cap. Somehow you managed to get it up over there. Yeah, it hurt. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> what was your emotion at that moment? Um, we have uh, we have a lot of Red Sox fans here, and hopefully one of them got that hat, and they can tell that story you know, for the rest of their life. You know, it's I don't need that hat. I don't even want that hat. You know, it stinks. It <laughs> smells bad. So. Um, you know, I just uh, I appreciate those fans sticking around, you know, rooting us on, and um, just wanted to give them a little piece of tonight. The guy who caught the cap is from Boston, and he moved out here because his family, his mother has MS, and she needed a warmer climate. And she's a huge Red Sox fan, and he said he's going to keep the cap the rest of his life. So, well, that um, that definitely makes it even more special. And Ken, to your left, we'll just do some last ones. Hey, David, your teammates speak so highly of you. What does it mean to you to be a great teammate? <sighs> Um, <clears throat> a lot. I mean, this is um, this is a game we get to play. 
you know, it's uh, it's the relationships that you make, you know, while you do this, while you play this game that, uh, That's what makes this game so special. First row. Welcome back into Infield Fly. I'm here, Ben, joined with Blake, uh, and it's time for the segment of misery, <laughs> as it's going to be referred to for a while. Um, the football Tennessee Volunteers blow a 12-point lead against South Carolina last week, lose 27-24. Uh, I watched most of the game. Pretty crushing loss. Um, yeah, that's they should have won. So it was it was sad. It was bad. Um, they got to learn how to finish. It's not a team that expects to win right now. So they they got to learn. They got to learn how to finish games and close out games. And although I will say it was a good rebound after getting just smacked by Alabama, they came in. Went to Columbia and were competitive. So, as far as that goes, that that was good. But it was a bad loss blowing blowing that lead like that. Um, to me, they just don't have enough talent right now. There's a talent deficiency, and that's I mean I think that's fairly obvious to anybody that watches watches them play. Uh, their their talent level is way below other teams in the SEC and and way below the standards of the University of Tennessee right now. But it's getting better, and it's going to get better. Um, what did you think about the game? Did you see any of it? Uh, I got to watch a little bit of the third quarter and the fourth quarter. Um, we went down to free to watch my brother's little Halloween That's game right. I was That's tweeting right. about. Um so, I mean, there was a lot of people talking about the, the end of the, the first half where we kind of sat on our hands a little bit and could have could have tried to get some points on the board there. Maybe. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to sit I, here and explain it because I don't really know. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they could have. Maybe they had decent field position in a little time. But I understood Pruitt's thinking. He's like, hey, we have a lead on the road in the SEC. Why don't we just go to halftime with a lead? Right, it, it makes sense. So I'm not gonna put no. You're right. There. You're right. Um, tough call on that fumble though on the goal line um, that Matuli picked up. I didn't see it. I heard it on the radio. Probably one of the worst broadcasters in the history of sports. And Bob Kessling did not do a good job of explaining it. Um, but I went back and kind of saw. You know, was it a fumble? I don't know. But they didn't blow the whistle dead until. Patuli was well past where the ball had been picked up. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Tough situation there. It was hard to tell on TV, too, yeah. honestly. So, um, um, But, I mean, with this loss, it's going to – it makes it just so much harder to get to six wins, I think. I mean, obviously it does because you still got to get one more to make up for this one. Um, yeah. But, I mean – Going down the stretch, you're going to have to beat two of three out of Vandy, Kentucky, and Missouri. Obviously, we're going to go ahead and say Chalk the balls are going to win this weekend. I mean, yeah. obviously, a lot of things could go wrong. But, I mean, Tennessee should be could be able – I mean, should be able to just run the ball in every play this weekend and still beat Charlotte. Um, yeah. But, I mean, two out of three against Vandy, Kentucky, and Missouri, I like our chances there. I mean, they're – Basically, all three home games, you never go to Vandy and are scared of a crowd factor if you're no. any team, um, much less not. Tennessee. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, Vandy is kind of reeling right now. I mean, they I know they beat Arkansas pretty handily, but Sucks. Arkansas is probably the worst team in the SEC at this point. Um, very likely Chad Morris is the worst hire in SEC history, um, even behind Butch Jones. Um, yeah, no, or Derek Dooley. Yeah, he's been awful. I was say, um, we've had a few of those ourselves. I know, we have. We have. No, I'm not saying we haven't. I'm just saying he's probably <laughs> the worst right now. Um, so, I mean, I like our chances. I think we can beat Vandy and Missouri. Don't think Missouri is that good, even though they should have beat Kentucky this weekend. Um, you know, how the Kentucky game plays out, I think, like we were talking about a little during the break, um, it's going to come down to really, I think, this weekend with Kentucky. I think if – I do not think it's going to happen, but I think if Kentucky could somehow pull off the upset at home and get this win, I think it gives Tennessee a better chance. That may sound backwards to some people. Um, but I think, you know, kind of a trap game. It feels yeah, they're so sad to say, It feels so sad to say that Tennessee is a trap game for Kentucky. <laughs> um, I know Jay Glenn is just soaking that up right now. I'm probably yeah. going to record that and set it as his ringtone for every time I call him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel it's like painful. if Kentucky can somehow get the win this weekend, you know, they kind of – are looking past Tennessee a little bit, kind of, you know, looking for that Atlanta trip that they're probably going to get. Um, I don't think they're going to win this weekend. I think they're probably going to get slaughtered and put down back to earth. Um, yeah. But, you know, we could still – I mean, I picked the Vols to go 7-5, and five, and dang it, if we would have won against South Carolina, I would have felt really good about that pick. Um, but I still think we're probably going to get six wins, get that extra couple weeks at bowl practice. Which is um, huge. What do you – what do you think, kind of, as far as the schedule plays out the rest of the year? What do you What are you thinking? Do you think we're going to get to six or what? Yeah, I think we can get to six. I don't. Vanderbilt's not that great, and I don't. Missouri's not either. Their offense was pathetic in the second half against Kentucky. It didn't even get one single first down. That's horrible. Yeah, they should have beat Kentucky. They got screwed on a terrible pass interference call because that ball was uncatchable, and Kentucky got lucky to get out of there with a win. But you can't really put the blame on the refs when you don't get a single first down in the second half. And That's oh, impressive. Yeah, their offensive coordinator is Mr. Derek Dooley. But, uh, yeah, I think we can get six wins. Uh, it is going to be tough. All these last few games are probably going to be tough. But I think we can do it. I don't think – I know Kentucky's – what are they, like number 12 in the country right now or something? I think they're higher than that. God, I mean, I'll, I'll look. I'll look. But I'll check that out. I thought they were top ten. I don't. They're want definitely going to be top ten if they win this week. I don't want to live in a world where Kentucky wins the SEC East. I just don't like <laughs> uh, talking about Tennessee. And being they've a never game. won the SEC East. I mean, never. this will be monumental for never. their program. Yeah. So uh, I, I just, I'm not. I don't. I'm, granted, I haven't watched a lot of Kentucky football. That's not a team that I'm like. Oh man, Kentucky's on. Let me watch them. <laughs> yeah. So I don't really know what they're working with, but I just have a hard time believing that they're they're just going to dominate us. So I think it's kind of funny this. too, because I mean, usually at this time of the year, Kentucky is ready for basketball season next yeah, week to start. They don't they don't really know what to do with themselves right now. They, they, <laughs> they kind of are probably wanting basketball to take a couple weeks off so they can. Right. Kentucky right now in the college football playoff ranking is ninth. Dear God. Um, when that that's I mean. That's the go-to now. You know, we had the committee. Yeah. I guess we can kind of touch on this a little bit, too. Um, the committee came out uh, Tuesday night, and Jeez. Kentucky is ninth, yeah. 
was it Alabama, Clemson, LSU? Because Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Notre Dame are the top four, so they're in right now. And then Michigan and Georgia are the next two out. So gotcha. There's a lot of teams that I hate up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I think we can get the six. We'll see what happens. Um, on to a more cheerful Vols subject: the basketballs, as we like to refer to them. Exhibition game last night on Halloween against Tusculum. Uh, season officially starts up, I think, what, November the 6th? Tuesday right? night. Tuesday night. Yep. Tuesday. The so pumped. So pumped for this team. Bringing back pretty much everybody. Uh, the backup point guard, James Daniel III, is the only, was the only senior from last year that's gone. So – Entire roster that made the uh, Sweet 16. Sweet 16, right? Negative. No, no, no. Round of 32. Round of 32. Yep. Loyola and their 50,000-year-old yeah. pastor, lady pastor, uh, took care of us. Yeah. So, am I, I do think that if Kyle Alexander doesn't get hurt, Tennessee probably makes a deeper run in the tournament. Uh, that was a killing blow. But Man. <laughs> Real quick, regardless. real quick. Go for it, go for it. Look at that injury and how bad that was for the Vols. Because, I mean, the way that that, turn, that side of the tournament played out. Oh, yeah. That was, it was where looking like, it was looking like Final Four for the Vols. Virginia had side. gotten upset by the 16 seed. And Kentucky got knocked out. Arizona got knocked out. All that The bracket was uh, – that side of the bracket was on acid. Like, it was from hell. And yeah. it was setting up perfectly, like you said. Tough break, though, for the Vols. Um, yeah, for a team but, that stayed healthy for the entire season. And right, then, and they uh, and they finished strong. Like they were playing great down the stretch. Um, and just you know, and you know, I kind I went back and watched some of the highlights from that Loyola game because we had a baseball game at night, so I didn't even get to watch it. Um, but you know, they battled back in the second half. I mean, towards the end of that game, they were down by you know six or eight. Yeah. So, um, late in that game, and they still still came back. And Grant had that and one with about eleven seconds to go, and then the little white point guard just threw yep. something up there. With which Bone got seconds. a decent look. Bone got a decent look at the end. He just couldn't get it to fall. He did. But the whole team basically comes back with your starting five: Jordan Bone, Jordan Bowden, Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, Kyle Alexander. Bench, Lamonte, reigning sixth man of the year. Jalen Johnson, Kyle Fulgerson, Yes Pons, and Derek Walker, who is an absolute man. Jawan Jennings' twin. Yeah, I had something I mean, weird. He looks like a computer. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I had something funky going on, on my computer. I don't know what that was. But uh, this team, I'm pumped. Um, they got – they play great defense. They always play. They always play hard for Coach Barnes. Love Coach Barnes. Uh, he's like we were talking about it before. He's like everybody's favorite grandpa off the court, and then on the court he'll like rip into you. I saw last night like Grant Williams only had three rebounds, and Rick Barnes had already started in on Grant Williams, just shredding him for only having three boards. It it's funny, and at the but they all love playing for him, man, and it's. It's just so fun, and 
My biggest thing that they need to improve this year, because I talked about they play great defense. Uh, they're just strong. They're not the tallest team, but they got to get more consistent on offense, and they got to get more consistent guard play. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two Jordans, Bone and Bowden. Bone has got one of the quickest first steps in the entire SEC. There's not many people that can stay with him. And Bowden is just so streaky, man. Like, he is a sharpshooter, and he can hit with the best of them when he's on. He always is going to play great D, so he's always going to be out there. But, like, some games he just goes cold, and there will be stretches where he goes without a basket for a while, and it really hurts. Like, they just got to get more consistent play out of their guards. No, I, w- I would agree. I mean, like I said, I was watching highlights of that Loyola-Chicago game last night. And uh, towards the end of that game, we went about five minutes without a bucket, man. Yeah. Um, I feel like we did that a lot. We did that last oh, night yeah. in the scrimmage. We had about five or six minutes without a bucket. That is not going to – that is not going to be good um, going forward. And you're going to have to be able to put up some points, whether that's feeding Grant in the post, which he dominates. Um, uh, and I, like you said, Bone, I've said it for a long time. He is the fastest player that I've seen in a long time yeah. with the ball in his hands. Um, they're going to need some production, though, off the bench. I mean, of course, you got Lamonte, six sixth man of the year mm-hmm. last year. But after that, you know, you lose James Daniel, who he could go get you a bucket every now and then. He's a, he's yeah. a pretty good scorer. He can score. handle the ball. Um, but, you know, losing him, you don't really bring in a guard to replace him. Um, so you're going to need some stuff. You're going to need some, some production out of Jalen Johnson, a guy I've been high on for a little while. Um, he's going to have to kind of show why he was so he was rated so highly coming out of high school. Um, and then as far as I guess it's Yves Pons. I don't. Yeah, really know. I don't. Know I've exactly heard I've heard Kessling that. pronounce it uh, Eves Pons or Es Pons, but I mean I don't trust his pronunciation guide whatsoever. I just um, say Pons. Just Pons. Pons. Yeah, I mean the dude is a. Freak of an athlete. We've seen oh, yeah. the highlight dunks, but we've got to see him consistently score, consistently hit a wide open jumper. Um, yeah, he's kind of like he's not as good a scorer as Bowden, but he's kind of like Bowden in that he's going to bring good defense. Like he's a lockdown defender. Right. And we just like you said, we got we got to get production from somebody has to step into that scoring that JD brought. So we'll see. Hopefully, he can take the next step. Um, I think Kyle's going to have to stay out of foul trouble, though. That's a big oh, yeah. thing. I mean, we saw it last year. We are not the same team without him on the court. Yep. Um, he, he fouled out last night with like eight minutes to go in an exhibition matchup against a team that, you know, frankly, we should have beat by 80 if we wanted to. Yeah. Um, one thing, I mean, we're going to kind of, I guess, get our players to watch this year aside from Grant and Admiral. Um, but just to kind of touch on Admiral a little bit, He's got to be more consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was really streaky last year. I know he was really good down the stretch towards the end of the year um, and was kind of making just about everything he threw up there, it seemed like. Um, well, but, I, I mean, think he had a stretch in that game against Loyola where he was just kind of disappeared for a little bit there. He did. He hit a big three-pointer, though, um, that ended up pulling us within two, I believe, about about two minutes or so to go. Um, but I mean, as far as the offense goes, it's going to go through Grant, of course. Yeah, it has He's the SEC has Player to. of the Year for a reason. Um, he can lead this team on both sides of the ball. Um, he's kind of like 
I'm trying. He has to stay out of foul trouble too. He has been known to commit some dumb ones. I think that's going to kind of come with maturity, though. I mean, he's going to yeah. a junior this year. I think he he's a savvy veteran man, and he's he's sneaky strong. He's so is the best oh, yeah. adjective, I guess. I mean, he's undersized a little bit, but I mean, nobody pushes him around. You saw, man, his freshman year, I believe it was. Um, Maybe it was last year. There was the tall guy, the center for Vanderbilt. I'm drawing a blank on his name at the moment. Which one? Um, the white dude? No, it was the black guy that oh, was born. Oh, uh, ba- Baptiste. 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 It was last yes. year. It was last year. He absolutely made Baptiste his. You know what? I'm not going to say on my podcast. Yeah, we're trying to keep <laughs> like, SEC regulated here. Yeah, no, but yes, he was friendly. Baptiste's dad last year, yeah. especially at yeah. Vandy when he had yes. like 30 something points. Was. And a, like a buttload of rebounds. So the guy just couldn't guard him at all. It was, it was almost, and, I felt bad for him, honestly. And Baptiste's, you know, probably got five inches on Grant as far as height goes. Yeah. Um, or some, maybe not that much, but, you know, he's clearly got a longer uh, wingspan and taller. Um, and Grant just dominated him, man. And it's it's fun to watch a post guy like that who's so pure with his moves. Um, he it can is. do the things that he can do. So, so kind of like, I mean, aside from Grant and Admiral, we're going to go ahead and take them off the page here because that will be easy to answer this question if we just allow them to be used. Who is your player to watch as far as, like, who is going to be kind of the guy that either helps Tennessee get to that next level or, you know, kind of has a breakout year – for himself this year? Uh, I got Bowden. So, I mean, like you said, you know what you're going to get for the most part out of Grant and Admiral. Um, and really, you know what you're going to get out of Kyle Alexander. He's not going to give you a bunch of buckets, but he's going to block shots and he's going to get boards and he'll chip in eight points a night. Um, but I'm going with Bowden. If he can finally just put it all together, man. If he can put it all together, I think he could be one of the best players in the SEC. I've always really liked Jordan Bowden, and I've always – some guys kind of – I know he's – there's people been hard on him, um, but just because of how streaky he is. But when he gets it going, man, he can light it up with the best of them. So if he can just finally put it all together, uh, I'm pumped for, for Jordan Bowden's future. Who do you got? I got another Jordan. This is a guy that I've loved since the moment he got on this team. Jordan Bone. Yep. Uh, he's deadly. He is so quick, man, and he is so smart. Now, I know his freshman year, I think he was a little – he was pretty shaky. Um, but last year, he really took a huge step forward as far as leading this offense as the point guard yeah. um, and setting guys up, um, finding Bowden and uh, finding – Admiral on the wing, setting up the offense, working with the big men in the pick-and-roll game. Um, I just think he's going to be the guy that really commands this team and kind of carries them either forward or down. And I mean that in both ways because he can he can be streaky. Um, and we saw the Vanderbilt game, I believe it was his freshman year. He had a career high. Yeah, um, He had like 20-something points, and he was just dropping threes like Steph Curry out there. Um, I love Bone. I think he's just fun to watch. He's quick. Um, he can finish at the rim, um, not above the rim, at the rim. You know, he's not gonna, you know, slam, slam over the people, over top of people. But uh, I like Bone, man. He's fun to watch, um, and he kind of gets other people in a rhythm, I guess, or kind of 
can set them up to be successful. I think that's going to be important going forward. So for sure, for sure. Uh, so just as far as how I think the season's going to play out, like it's hard to predict basketball, and I don't. I'm not going to go through the whole schedule uh, and pick out wins. I think you may have done that, but uh, yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not ready to do that just yet. But uh, 25 25 plus wins I think is not out of the realm of possibility at all for this team. Uh, just how talented they are, how just man they they have such good streak. Like we see these guys all the time on Twitter, Instagram, and videos. Like they they actually genuinely all like each other, and they all like playing for Barnes. And he they just that's that's just like an X factor, man. Like teams that have good chemistry and good talent, and they play hard. Those are the teams that win, and this team does that. So twenty five plus wins, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. And anything, I'm not gonna say Final Four or anything like that, but anything other than a deep tournament run, uh, I think that's the disappointing season, to be honest. I gotcha. I mean, kind of looking at the schedule, there's a couple games that really just stand out to me for different reasons. Um, obviously, the first one is at Memphis. Yeah. Um, and that is coming up. I can't see it on my – I don't know if you can see the date on it. I can't see it on mine. It's too small. Um, but this is the first time Tennessee and Memphis are going to play against each other in four years. Um, I think that's you know, December used... uh, 15th. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, man, Tennessee-Memphis used to be one of the best rivalries, you know, maybe yeah, not as yeah. far as history, but as far as current time, it was Listen. one of the best rivalries in the college basketball. Cal and um, Bruce. Right. And, I mean, if you want to talk about, like, top five moments in your sports life, um, especially for me, the 2008 one versus two game is easily in the top five and sadly is probably oh, number one right now. Easily. Um, just because. Because, I mean, I watched that entire game from start to finish. Um, and to see J.P. Prince have the game that he had in his hometown in Memphis. Um, Love that guy. I mean, I, I've – and we, we've done, done this at college before. We, we've – it was an anniversary a couple years ago of that game, and we just sat in there and we just played the uh, played the oh, uh, game on the TV in the SOC yeah, house and just watched it again. <laughs> oh, man. That 2018 um, was my – is currently my favorite team. Uh, they made, I think, a uh, round of 32 or Sweet 16, but like JP, Tyler Smith, CeeLo, Jawan, that was Chisholm. That was a fun team. But Chisholm, you, my all time favorite ball. This team Love this Wayne. year, this team this year, they may, they may crack, make their way up there to the top of the list. But, anyways, what were you saying? Um, but, I mean, a couple other games, you know, you could potentially match up against the number one team here in the preseason tournament. You know, if you win against yeah. Louisville and Kansas beats Marquette, um, you could be playing Kansas in, Kansas. you know, the second round of that. That would be awesome for this team, I think, kind of get a barometer of where you are. Yeah. Um, you know, especially if you win that game, you know, you're going to be riding pretty high for a while. Right. Uh, same Kansas. Last year they beat Purdue in one of those early season tournaments, and Purdue went on and was like, won like 30 games or something. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, same deal. And that, that kind of helped, you know, that can help you kind of get started early, uh, you know, with some of these tr tests that you have early to kind of see what you are as a team and where your weaknesses are and how to fix that before you get into SEC play. Um, and then you got West Virginia is coming to Knoxville on January the 26th. 
game I definitely think we should look at going to. Um, Absolutely. Are the Vols going to get revenge for the football team, Pruitt and company, um, after what West Virginia did to Tennessee on the uh, the turf? We'll see if the basketball team can come back and beat Bob Huggins and that nasty press. I don't actually I, – I, I actually picked the Vols to lose that game. Um, I think West Virginia is pretty solid. They're good, yeah. Um, Let's see. And then the last game of the year stands out to me at Auburn. Um, there's a great chance that those two teams are going to be fighting for a top four seed in the SEC tournament. For sure. At the end of the year. And that one could kind of, that game could kind of determine who's going to be one, two, or three at that point, you know, with Kentucky, Auburn, Tennessee being near the top probably at the end of the year. I like, I think the Vols are probably going to win about. I picked them 24 and 7. And like you said, obviously a lot of things can change. A lot of teams are, may not be as good as they think they are. Some teams may be better than we think they are. Yeah. Um, but I think, I don't, I don't think they're going to repeat as SEC regular season champions. Um, I do think they're probably going to get the two or three seed, but I think they're going to win the tournament this year. Uh, SEC awesome. tournament, SEC tournament, that is. Um, <laughs> just because they were there last year, um, yeah. they had the experience. And like I said, like we said all along, all the same guys coming back, no excuse not to win it. Um, but here's my thing with the NCAA tournament. Um, it is so weird. And that is why, like, yeah. you have people who don't care anything about sports love it. It's just because it's, it's just so fun to watch. And it's yeah. so – every like, things that shouldn't happen. Like, last year for the first time in forever, a 16 beat a 1. Like, that should not happen ever. Mm-hmm. And it did. Um, you know, you see a lot of upsets – a lot of teams who are good teams, um, just for whatever reason, don't have it that day. Um, but I, I think the Vols are too deep for that to happen to them. I think Elite Eight is probably where they need to be. Um, and then it really depends on how the tournament plays out. Um, yep. You know, if they if they go out in the Sweet 16, but they lose to a team that's really hot, um, let's say they run into a team, you know. A Loyola, Chicago. A seven, with a seven seed or someone, or maybe an eight seed that would beat a one seed. Um, that is just maybe not Loyola. Um, I, that was pretty much uh, unacceptable to me. But maybe you know, like a you know, a lot of times with the eight nine seed, you see a team that maybe was supposed to be better than they actually played yeah. in the regular season, like Tennessee was in Bruce Pearl's last year with Tobias Harris. Yeah. Um, but and then you know sometimes they in Kentucky a few years ago, whenever they went to the Final Four, they were a nine seed, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just kind of turn it on, you know, they find it, find out what was wrong and they start clicking in the tournament. Um, I, so I'm like, if you run into that and get knocked out in the sweet 16, I'm not going to say it was a disappointing year. Um, but at the same time, you know, you could have a tournament draw out where like last year, if Tennessee doesn't get beat by Loyola, they're probably making the final four yeah. um, just because of how the tournament played out. Um, so I'm going to say sweet 16 on a special case is not disappointing year. But I think this team is an Elite Eight talent-level team. Um, but anything past Elite Eight, I don't really want to predict because I don't want to <laughs> get overhyped and then get disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one quick thing. I know I've talked for a few minutes now. But uh, Tennessee-Vanderbilt, man, is going to be fun this year. Vanderbilt is. finally has got some players. <laughs> Bryce Drew got a good recruiting class coming in. <clears throat> I think he's a terrible coach, Tech tactical wise but i think basketball is one of those sports where if you have really good talent it can kind of cover up your bad coaching ability i think yeah. Bryce drew is a awful coach when it comes to um 
tactical things and X's and O's, but he's got two five-star recruits in there, and Darius Garland and Jordan Bone. Man, am I pumped to watch them play against it's each gonna other. It's going to be fun. So It's going to be so. fun. We're pumped for basketball season. We're going to take one last break, and then we got a couple questions to round out the show today. Be right back. So Greg's peanut butter, and I'm jelly. We came up with that just messing around one day. We were playing uh, FIFA, so we kind of took that from there. I'd be peanut butter, he's jelly, because I kind of bring that little casual, you know, nice taste, and then he brings, like, the, the knock-you-out type of taste, you know? I mean, I think they both proved to everybody in the league that they're um, household names and that they are forced to be reckoned with, and, you know, that's why they call them peanut butter and jelly, because together, you know, when they're on the court together, you know, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Well, I can tell you for a fact, when he came in, it was all jelly, jelly. There's peanut butter and jelly. Right now, I'd have to say more admirals to peanut butter, because Grant's still got some jelly he needs to turn into some peanut butter. For me, it's like kind of a, a smooth, like you don't realize this guy has a couple of like 20 points and then next thing you look up and he has more than that. Well, Admiral's like always in your face and he's always letting you know he's like falling out the side because he's so slick and uh, he's grabbing every rebound and he's letting you know about it. So that's just uh, the two personalities that kind of help each other out. I heard that D-Wade and LeBron are peanut butter and jelly. Last true or false, you guys are indeed peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, I'm jelly, though. I'm jelly. No, I think you're peanut butter. I think I'm jelly. You know, you can eat peanut butter without the jelly sandwich. You can just have a peanut butter sandwich. You can't just eat a jelly sandwich. But I just want to say we were the first. I just want to say that right now. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome back in. It's our final segment. We got a couple questions here from a buddy of ours and also from my mother. <laughs> who my, mo my mom and dad both watched most of the World Series. Apparently, my dad is a huge Red Sox fan now ever since I went to Boston and came back with a hat from him from Fenway. Uh, and they were, of course, happy for David Price, my mom, big Vandy fan. But she wants to know if winning the 18-inning game ultimately hurt the Dodgers and led to Boston winning the final two games. Um. I'm not going to say that winning it hurt because if they lost, they'd have been down three zip. Yeah. But every single guy that came out of the pen for the Dodgers in game three that pitched in game four gave up at least one run. So, yeah, all those, all that pitching that they had to do in the uh, in game, game three that went 18 innings, yeah, they were taxed. They were absolutely taxed in game four, and they all gave up runs. Every one of them gave up a run. Whereas Boston, uh, Alex Cora threw Eovaldi out there for like six innings in extra innings. They threw like 97 pitches out of the pen. And it was <laughs> Which is to amazing to think about out of, you yeah, know, coming right. in whatever inning it was, an extra inning, and just – I think it was 97 the, pitches. Like he, I, it's almost like he started the second game. Yeah, it almost was. It was like two games. So, yeah, I think in that way, it definitely did hurt the Dodgers. Their bullpen was taxed, and Eovaldi stepped up and gave six strong innings for Boston. They were able to somewhat salvage their pen better than the Dodgers were. What do you think? No, I mean, that's hard to argue with. I mean, that's that you drop. That, for me, that that's my verdict as well. I mean, yeah. So, you know, 
like you said, I'm never going to say that winning a game is going to hurt a team, but yeah. they definitely paid the price for it. Um, they did. That next, and it kind of begs a question. And I, I thought about this before the series started. You know, the, the World Series is the 2-3-2 two, two format. Um, should they put a break between games, uh, what is it, four and five? Should they take an off day in between those two games? Because when I mean, you're know. playing, I, I know you play three games in a row all the time in the regular yeah. season. Um, I kind of feel like they should. I mean, you're in the postseason. You're using a lot of the same arms and a lot of high leverage situations. You want to get, you know, the the best results um, for both squads. I would not be opposed to. I know a lot of the the talk around baseball is they don't want to make the season go into November if they don't have to. Yeah. Um, I would have been okay with you know, taking a day off and giving them, especially, you know, the circumstances that were at Bay. I mean, you went 18 innings. I don't remember. I, I know I, me and you were playing Red Dead that night, and I went to yeah. bed at like 3.30, and the game had just ended, which would be, yeah. I guess, 12.30. Um, Dodger guess time. 12.30, Dodger time. Um, but then they had to turn around and play that night again. So I think that's something baseball will probably look at um, yeah, in the off season, Possibly. So. But our last question comes from our buddy Ben, not me, Ben, Ben McGreevy. And he wants to know, speaking of Red Dead, what our first impressions are of Red Dead Redemption 2. And there's only – it's it's amazing. It's fantastic. It's everything that I hoped it would be. Uh, we spent, like you were talking about, uh, like hours on that night when the, when the Dodgers were playing until 4 a.m., uh, I, I don't even not... want to say how many hours I've put in. I don't know the exact number, but I'd probably be embarrassed if I said it out loud. It's fantastic. The detail, the realism, the graphics, the story, the missions, the side missions, everything. I have not found one thing wrong with this game so far, except for that it's taken over my life. And I don't, <laughs> even, know that, I don't even know that that's a problem. Right. No, I mean, me and me and Ben, not you, Ben, other Ben, uh, McGreevy were texting the other night, or I guess we were talking on Twitter, um, and it's just, there's so much to do, um, aside from the missions, even, and the story, I'm a little bit further along in the story than you are, but uh, yeah. it is so good. Um, I'm going to go out on limb. I'm going to say it's the best video game ever made. I haven't played every video game. I'm not open to every genre, but I think um, one of the when the when the time has ended, this will be the best video game that's been made to this point, um, just because of the vast open worldness that it gives you. It's just so um, like, and and everybody's game, yeah, it's similar because it's it's single player and stuff. But in a way, it's also different. We talked about this, like the difference in so the main character is Arthur Morgan, like the difference in my Arthur Morgan and your Arthur Morgan, like. Cause you can shave your guy's face and like he has to eat and he has to cut his hair. Like I haven't, I cut my guy's hair, but I haven't shaved his beard since the start of the game. So he's looking like a Viking. Whereas you got like the Walter white goatee going on, but then he also has like a mullet where he looks like sunshine from remember the Titans. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, just that's so cool to me. And everybody stumbles upon different little side areas and goes about them different ways. Like, it is fun to share, like, hey, what'd you do with this mission? And I don't know. It's awesome, man. It's so fun. It's a great game. If you haven't got it, definitely you should check it out. Um, online is going to be kicking off this month. So we're probably – I think we're about three weeks away from it. So we'll get to yeah. get the campaign finished. 
Um, if you guys want to play with us, just hit us up on Twitter. Get our uh, username. We'd love to play. Um, Absolutely. Ben, it's been fun, man. It has. It's been a good day. Looking I don't forward to really this know when we're going to do another one. You know, we kind of been basing this around the World Series or the postseason schedule. Um, I, I would imagine they're going to be further than two weeks apart, hopefully. Yeah. Um, kind of give us time to for stories to build and things to talk about. For sure. Um, we will so. be back. Infield fly does not end with the end of baseball season. It no, does no, make no. it a little sadder that baseball's over and we have to wait till February. And it but. makes the name a little a little weird whenever we're talking. Which we'll, yeah, we'll talk, I'm sure, some off season stuff, but it will not yeah, be absolutely. to the depth that we've talked about the rest of the yeah. season. It's so. okay. It's all right. All right. Out the door. Out the door. Okay. I got a question for you. I want Go your just it. immediate reaction. Where is okay. Bryce Harper going? <laughs> oh, oh, come on. Okay. okay, ask me again, and I'm going to say the first thing that comes in my mind. All right. Next year, Bryce Harper will be playing for the? Chicago Cubs. Oh, God. Ooh. That just made me want to throw up in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I got the Dodgers, man. I, I like the Dodgers. I think uh, he's going to L.A. I think they're letting Machado go. They're going to sign Bryce Harper, trade Puig or Peterson. I would love, love, love if they traded Peterson to the Braves for Julio Tehran straight up um, and kind of give Atlanta another nice bat in the lineup. But just a little quick uh, bomb out the door. Todd, I hope he's not a cub. You guys tweet at us. Tell us where you think Bryce Harper's going. I'm going to put out a poll here a little in a little bit, kind of get some feedback on that one. So Tell us how we can get better, too. We're getting better every day. All right, we are out, infield fly. We will be back. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace. <laughs> There's a um, tradition in tournament play not talk about the next step until you've climbed the one in front of you. I'm sure going to the state finals is beyond your wildest dreams, so let's just keep it right there. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Okay?